For obvious reasons, there are many things going on in the world today. Uh, and what I'd like to do is really cover up, cover um, a great deal of the ideas and the events that have been happening in the last, I don't know, five, six weeks. Because, you know, one gets the impression that we are really on a roller coaster. Some days it looks good, some days it looks bad. And there's a tremendous amount of what, what appears to be disheartening news especially with the elections coming up. So I wanted to explain what is going on in terms of the messianic process. I think it's very important because, you know, I, I want people to have a chizuk, you know, a strengthening in terms of what seems to be about to happen. So I, I, that, that's, that's why I think it's very important. That's why this year is very important. Some of the ideas that I mentioned, I will have mentioned before, but I need a context for many ideas, so obviously that's why I would mention it again. But the key idea is to really get a grasp of what seems to be happening today, because, I mean, like I say, we're on a roller coaster, you know, and, 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 and everybody's walking around in a daze. What's going on? So there's certain points that I want to cover tonight. First of all, <clears throat> The, um, I don't think I mentioned anything about uh, the United Arab Emirates, Emirates uh, and Bahrain, that they are now becoming strong allies of Israel. And that is really messianic, because if you really think about it, Ishmael, the son of Avram Avinu, okay, uh, in the end did tshuva, as the Chazal point out, that he repented because he allowed Yitzchak to go first when they were going to bury Avram Avinu. And Chazal say, therefore, that he did tshuva. And therefore, what happens, what that means, is that what his tshuva means is that he's now going to do again what he originally was supposed to do. Believe it or not, and Chidor points this out, uh, that uh, Yishmuel had 12 tribes because they parallel the 12 tribes of of, uh, of, of Yaakov. And he was also supposed to be as part of the Tikkun process. The Chidor says this, uh, you know, in, in one of his farm, uh, and so on, Pnei Dover, I think, whatever. But um, therefore, obviously, he went aside, became a Russia. But his tshuva means that he is now going to assist Israel as an ally to help Israel rise to its real stature. And this can only happen at the end. This is clearly a messianic indicator. And uh, the amazing thing about all of this is therefore we begin to see the end of the klipa of Yishmoel, the end of the, uh, the uh, desire of Yishmoel to destroy the Jewish people. I have mentioned before many, many different ideas. But what is so interesting to me is that the one who's facilitating this is Trump. And we know Trump is the Tov Shebeisav. Trump is the good part of Esau. So there again we see something remarkable, that Trump is actually assisting, you see, and, and in many ways he's brokering the alliance between the Arabs and the Jewish people, which is really part of his job, because his job as a Tov of the good part of Esau, is to help Jews, to help the Jewish people do the rectification of creation. And that's exactly what he's doing. But who would ever suspect that he would be involved so pivotally in this endeavor by actually fostering a tremendous peace agreement between Israel and the, the, its Arab neighbors? And we know that this is going to be uh, tremendously speaks very well of what the repercussions of all this. And Trump mentioned, and I believe him, that there are many Arab nations lining up to be part of that alliance. I think what they're doing is waiting to see what happens. And as a result of that, you see, the, he's going to, uh, uh, they, they, they want to see what happens between the uh, United Arab Republic and also the United Arab Emirates and also Bahrain. Uh, they want to see how it works out. And obviously, if it works out very well, which of course I'm sure it will, they will join. So we're slowly seeing the conversion of the entire Muslim world on the side of Israel. 
And that's very important because that will leave out, obviously, Iran, Hezbollah, Hamas, you know, all the, uh, uh, you know, Islamic Jihad and so on. That will leave them out all in the cold. That's besides the fact that, uh, that they renewed the sanctions against Iran. Trump did that. So Iran really is going bankrupt because they cannot sustain the tremendous uh, destruction of their economy. So this is a very good sign that we are really at the end. A lot of people won't notice this, but that's what it is, that Yishmoel is coming home to help the Jewish people. Very important idea. Anyway, that's the first topic. Second topic is, you know, remember one thing, we are Jewish people. You know, we believe in God, we believe in the Torah. We believe that the Torah is divine and given by God. And that the laws of the Torah are immutable and they are eternal. So from that standpoint or perspective, uh, we know there was a woman, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, that America is somehow celebrating and uh, commemorating her life and all that. But keep in mind that from the perspective of the Torah, she was a very bad person, very bad. She was tremendously uh, pro-abortion, which is murder. And not only that, but she was tremendously pro-liberal. And what does that mean? That means she was behind same-sex marriages, uh, you know, no, no discrimination, uh, no, uh, no gender inequality, and so on. And this, of course, is terrible because what she basically did is she supported the very sin that the world was destroyed by God, the flood itself. And that makes her a very bad person, very evil in that sense. And of course, Americans don't see it that way. But remember, from the perspective of the Torah, she was a terrible woman. And in fact, in many ways, she represented the left, you know, and perhaps in a certain sense, I don't think so, but uh, she was certainly a liberal and left in her policies. You know, it's interesting. Um, what's the difference between the left and the radical left? Because that's an expression that is used. And I'll tell you what the difference is. To be left or to be very liberal, okay, is to, it's called in Hebrew, prikas oil, to defy or to overthrow the yoke of God. To be free of the restrictions the laws that God has imposed on mankind. That's the concept of the left. And that is their fundamental ideology, to be able to do whatever they want, to defy God and any of the laws, even those which are man-made in the sense that they are for the benefit or they are logical for man to observe. So that's the concept of the left. The concept of the radical left is worse. Why? Because it's not only that they want to overthrow God and just do whatever they want, you see. They want to be God over mankind. That's the difference. A person who is left wants to overthrow the yoke. A person who is radical left wants to replace God and be God himself, where they can now control and have the power over all other peoples. And that's really essentially what the Antifa is. And that's what communism is. You see, that's the radical left, you see. So, uh, therefore, we as, you know, as Torah-observant Jews have to remember that I, our guidepost is not what America thinks. It's what the Torah says. And in that sense, you know, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was really very bad. You know, uh, it's unfortunate that, that she was this till she died, how she supported all these terrible uh, laws and so on. Uh, and I believe one of the reasons maybe why she died is because, as we will see, that God wants to provide the Supreme Court with a conservative and assist Trump in surviving what is sure to come and uh, try to overthrow him. But in any case, uh, so I, I just wanted to mention that idea uh, from a Torah perspective and so on, you know. Also, what's very interesting is, uh, is that if you had a look at the process, the messianic process itself, you can actually see 
that there are five phases to this process and they all begin with the letter R. One, we are now in the phase called rescue. Yes, the reason what you see, and I will explain this, God is trying to rescue the Jewish people from, from, uh, from not being redeemed. But besides the Jews, he's also trying to rescue mankind because God wants the Jews to be worthy of a messianic era. And he also has to do that to mankind because they will benefit enormously from the Mashiach himself. Even though the main recipients of the benefit uh, is of course the Jewish people, as we know. But certainly the people, the nations of the world who survive what has to take place, they have to be rescued also to deserve actually being part of the messianic process. It's not simple. You know, you have to be worthy to be part of a messianic process. You have to be worthy to live in a messianic era. So what we are witnessing, and I'm going to explain that, is the concept of rescue. That's really what you're seeing. And when you understand what goes into rescuing the Jewish people, then you will understand what is going on today. The second phase is called rehabilitation. You know, where God wants to rehabilitate the Jews. He wants to elevate their status in spirituality. As I once pointed out in uh, the last year, the previous Shuram, uh, the concept that where God says that even if you are outcasts in the Tzavim, even if you are outcasts or at the ends of heaven, it says from there I will gather you, Kabetzcho, I will gather you, which means in the Golis itself, God will go in and, and, and rehabilitate the Jews. And from there, in the Golis itself, God will take the Jewish people to himself. And that tells us that the rehabilitation of the Jews will actually begin in the Golis itself, which certainly is America or Europe or whatever, you see. The third aspect is the redemption. Redemption is the real redemption where all of a sudden the Jews are recognized as supreme and as the nation of God. And that is the Geula itself. And that is primarily brought about by the Mashiach ben Yosef. Because the Mashiach ben Yosef's major job is called transformation. He transformed the world from a world which is purely physical and has enormous evil. And he transforms that world into a world of the Mashiach. That's his job. So he's really a bridge, if you want to look at it that way. Sheikh ben Yosef is really a bridge that connects the world we know of, which is purely physical, enormous amount of problems and suffering and evil. And he transforms that into a world of tremendous goodness and benefit and holiness and so on. So he's the one who's basically responsible for that. And is the Mashiach ben Yosef really who brings the exiles back, back. And he also brings down from heaven, because that's where it's going to come from, the Beis Hamikdash, the temple itself. And also he will reveal the Orishan, which is the messianic light, you see. So there are many things that the Mashiach ben Yosef does. Now, the next stage, phase, is called royalty. And that is the era of Mashiach ben David. So, like I mentioned, Mashiach ben Yosef is an individual that transforms the world from what it was previously into a new world. And I'll tell you something interesting. That world is really a world of Odomarish before the sin. That means the world will return to the spiritual status of what it was like by the first man, Adam, Adam, Adam reached the first man <clears throat> before he sinned. Now we have no comprehension of what that world will be, was. But the messianic era under Mashiach ben David is the world of Adam reached before the sin. And what God wants, which is interesting, because he wants to show mankind, because when you think about it, God does not have to uh, 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 end the world in the sense that with a messianic era. Well, if he wanted to, he could destroy the world and begin the future world, Oilam Habo, now. So why does God want to change 
and, and vastly improve the physical world, you see. Because he wants to restore the world to the same world it was, basically, like I said, of Adam Harishim before the sin, which in many ways was a world which we cannot comprehend. It didn't have evil the way it is now. There was no death. There was no decomposition. There was no damage or destruction, you see. And there was an incredible amount of awe, light, enlightenment that Odom had. The difference is, is that when the Mashiach bin David comes, and that will be the, re the, the uh, restoration, transformation, into the world of Odom reaching before the sin, the Jews, it will no more, the Jews will no longer be tested because the Satan will be killed, either that or transformed. The Satan will be transformed or killed. Therefore, there's no more free will. And therefore, if there's no free will, nobody will do any kind of sins, like I said, because there's no free will and there's no Satan, there's no temptations, you see. So what God wants to show is that he wants to integrate the physical world with the spiritual. And that really was the world of Adam Arishan, Adam, before the sin, before he begins the transformation of the entire physical existence into a total spiritual existence. And that is the concept of the future world. In any case, so that's the period called royalty, which is the era of the Mashiach bin David. And Mashiach bin Yosef will be around at the same time as Mashiach bin David, except the difference will be that Mashiach bin David will be the king, will be a king, that is the person who executes everything, justice and so on. And the Mashiach bin Yosef, he will be the teacher of he will be the teacher of the Jewish people, bringing down the Orishan, the Orhagonas, the hidden light, and together they will rule, as it says, and they will be as one in my hand. And then the fifth phase is again R, called reward. That phase is the future world. Will come not now, but a long time after the end of the Messianic era. In any case, so we have five different phases. Rescue, rehabilitation, redemption, royalty, and reward. Let's take a look at rescue, because that's really what is going on today. What is that? What does it mean that God is trying to rescue the Jews? And what's involved in this rescue? <clears throat> now, I had mentioned a while back that there are three actions that God does. The sum total of all God's acts can be sum summarized in three actions. One is called Anagasaikium, the actions of Kiyom to fulfill the purpose of creation. And what that means is that God creates the entire universe as a backdrop, as a situation where the Jews can do the Tikkun. So he has to create the entire stage, backdrop, that the situations where they are now in, in order to do, be tested, and to do the tikkun. You see, that's Anogus Akiyum, the actions that are made to fulfill the purpose of creation. The second series of actions is called Anogus Hamishpat, where God waits for the acts of man, and based on these acts, he will then respond. Either he will reward the person, but it's not a real reward, because that's only in the future world. The reward that I'm talking about is that God will allow a person a greater opportunity to do a greater aspect of tikkun. That's the reward. It's like somebody does a great job in a bank and he gets promoted from being a clerk or teller to a vice, uh, to a, uh, a vice president or whatever. So he still has to work, but he now has the opportunity to make much more money. That's the concept of reward, you see, in terms of mishpat. Or God may decide to punish the person, right, in order to atone for the person's sins. But the main idea is that God visits that person with the attribute of justice. Now, the third idea, third set of actions, is called anhogas What that is, is that's, that's called a rescue plan. What it really is, is a background. What it really is, is, is that this is a backup, you see, or a contingency plan. That if people sin, if people sin, then what God does, you see, is that he has a backup plan, 
where mankind, certainly the Jewish people, are guaranteed to do the rectification of creation, you see, to do the tikkun. They're guaranteed, and therefore there's, they are guaranteed to be in the future world. And that has a whole history, which I'm not going to go into. But that's an Yichud. But in order to do that, think about that, then God has to do a series of actions which in many ways defies logic. He has to do things which make no sense to us. And that's why the actions of Anogus HaYichud really are mysterious. They defy understanding, you see. And, uh, and, and that's part of the mystery which is, has bothered, bothered philosophers for thousands of years. You know, why do the righteous suffer and the wicked, evil people, prosper? Russia of the evil person and it's good for him, he benefits. And Tzadik Viraloi, the Tzadik suffers. What's the logic of that? This is one of the greatest questions, it's called theodicy, that have bothered philosophies for, for many, many millennium. But the answer to that lies in Nanhogas HaYichud. Because when that happens, then you can be sure that God is now utilizing this series of actions of Yichud. And it's called Anogas HaYichud, it's the, it's the actions of the One. Why? Because justice does not demand a guarantee that a person will be in the future world. So what God does is this series of actions dispenses with justice. And he says, I'm going to guarantee they will be there, even if nobody understands how I do that. And that's what it is. And we cannot know the reasons for that. And I once mentioned quite a while ago uh, the concept of Rabbi Akiva. You see, uh, Rabbi Akiva was dying at the hands of the Romans in Caesarea. In fact, it was on Yom Kippur. And the Malachim, and he was being tremendously tortured, they were raking his back with iron combs to kill him. And the Malachim were saying, Zu Zuschora, and the Malachim were complaining or voicing their amazement. This is the reward that a person gets for the Torah. Rabbi Akiva is among the greatest sages of all time. In fact, he is responsible for the transmission of the oral law, the, the whole Torah. If it wasn't for him, then we would not have the oral Torah. You see. So the Malachim said, this doesn't make any sense. How can a man be so tortured when he is at such a pivotal uh, idea of the Jewish people, the whole transmission of Torah? So God said to the Malachim that this is a decree before me, and if you, if you keep questioning my decree, I will restore the world to toyu to emptiness. I will restore the world. Now, we, we, we look at that Chazal, we don't understand what is God, what is God threatening the Malachim? What's the answer? And the answer is that God did answer them and it wasn't a threat. He says, I cannot reveal to you why I want Rabbi Akiva to die such a horrendous death because the, 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 the decree that I've issued is part of the idea of Hanogas HaYichud. It's part of the backup plan or the rescue. I must do this in order to rescue the Jewish people. Therefore, it must happen to Rabbi Akiva. And if I tell you the reason, then the one who will know the reason, since heaven knows the reasons, all the angels, is the Sultan. And if he knows the reason for why this is happening, he's going to try to stop me from killing Rabbi Akiva in this gruesome manner, you see. But meanwhile, this is the way that has to be in order to rescue the Jews, you see. So we see, therefore, that nobody can know the underlying rationale for this Hanhoga, for these actions, because these actions are the rescue of the Jewish people. The problem is we cannot understand that, you see, because, and they are completely mysterious. But what we are watching today is that rescue. And that's a very important concept. Well, what is required when you think about that? In a general sense, not specific. What is required, and we'll see that in a minute from Egypt, Mitzrayim, which is always a model of the redemption. <clears throat> what is required is two things. One is that God will not bring the Mashiach until justice has been satisfied. And that's one of the reasons why it goes so slow, you see, because God wants the world 
uh, or to, to uh, enjoy the future, the Messianic era, because of justice. Justice has to be satisfied. He, he has to remove the ketrugim, the prosecutions of the sultan, to stop the messianic approach, you see. So that is, the, the, that is what God wants to do. So as such, there are two things that have to happen, you see. One of them is that there has to be an atonement of the Jewish people. The Jews must atone, you see, for what's happening, for their sins. Because without that, then there's kitrugim, there are prosecutions. So therefore the sultan will prosecute and try to stop it. So therefore God must do things which will bring an atonement, a kapora, for the Jewish people. The second thing uh, is that if the Jews have no merits, they must be given some type of merit. Very important. In other words, it's not enough that the Jews are guiltless or rather all their sins have been uh, kapora, have had a, an atonement, you see. Uh, the Jews have to deserve the geula, the redemption, and therefore there has to be some type of merit that they have. These are two fundamental ideas of the messianic process in order to begin. And the rescue must entail both of these ideas. The concept of an atonement, and the concept of merits. Very important. Now we see that this is really what happened in Egypt. If you remember, Moshe Rabbeinu, he is, has an, a prophecy, a, a prophetic image of God, or a, a, actually by the snare, by the burning bush, where God appears to him and appoints him, designates him, to be the, to be the messianic candidate. Okay, he goes to Egypt, and they, of course, the Jewish people, they don't know what he is or who he is or whatever, but he proves to them that he is the agent of God, and they accept it, and they believe him, you see. All of a sudden, it's almost like in the same week, Paroi says, well, you guys are idle, so what, now I'm going to tell you what you have to do. It's not enough for you to build bricks with the straw that the Egyptians gather for you. You need to gather your own straw. <coughs> you need to gather your own straw, you see, in order, right, to make bricks. And the amount of bricks has to be the exact same. It cannot be any different. So all of a sudden, the labors that they had to do was incredibly intensified. So what did that do for the Jews? You see, so the first thing it did was enormously, as I said, intensify, make much worse the suffering of the Jew. Imagine he couldn't sleep. He had to go around Egypt gathering straw, you see, in, in, in the nighttime, because during the day he had to make the bricks, you see. Uh, so that was horrendous for the Jews. That was the atonement that God needed to rescue the Jews, because the suffering or the measure that they had to payback wasn't fulfilled completely. They were supposed to be there 400 years, but only 210 years had passed. So therefore, they had to make up, so to speak, for 190 years, you see? And therefore, that would entail an enormous intensity of suffering. But the second thing was interesting. So that's the first idea, concept of rescue. The second idea, could you imagine the, the, the despair and the depression, right, that the Jews had, how disheartened they were, when the Mashiach almost came. He's actually here. Yet not only is it get, does it get worse, but he is responsible for, be, for it becoming worse. Could you imagine the incredible despair that they are in? Why? Uh, because God wanted them to have imuna and bitochem. They had to believe, if you, you believe that Moshe Rabbeinu is a messianic figure, so you must believe that I'm not going to abandon you, you see. And therefore, what he did is he made this situation not only for suffering, but where the Jews cannot believe what's going on, you see. Because God wanted the merit of the Jews that they should believe in God and trust in God, that this is part of the geula, the redemption. 
And that's why not only was this terrible decree done, but it was done because of Moshe Rabbeinu's coming. If he hadn't come, then Pharaoh would never have done this. You see? And what God did is he arranged this because he wanted the Jews to have a merit for redemption. Because they were, as we know, in the 49th level of evil. Not evil, I should say. Defilement, Tumor, you see? So God needed not just a, a, an atonement of sins. <clears throat> he needed them to have an, a tremendous merit. Schut, schus. In order for them to be worthy of redemption. Now, what is interesting, and it's a very important idea, you see. Now, what we also see is at the end also. Imagine all the Jews finally get out of Egypt, right? It's unbelievable with the miracles of the Mag the, the Marcus and so on. And they're now standing at the Dead Sea, not, uh, you know, not see the Dead Sea, the Red Sea. <coughs> they're standing at Yamsuf, right? And all of a sudden they look up and there they are, the Egyptian army coming to kill them. Now, could you believe this? If they're getting out of Egypt, after hundreds of years of slavery and terrible labor, they get out, right? And their back is against the sea. And all of a sudden, from afar, they see the Egyptian army that wants to kill them. In fact, what happened? What was the, again, this is part of the rescue. Why? Because the first thing is that all of them had a tremendous pachat mavis, fear of death. Every one of them was afraid they're going to die, because that's obviously what the Egyptian army was going to do. Pachet Mavis, and I mentioned quite a while ago that Pachet Mavis, fear of death, is a death equivalent. So could you imagine at that time the suffering that the Jews had because they all thought now they were going to die? So that's the first idea. The second idea, right, is not only they thought they would die, but God needed them to have a merit. Again. In other words, and the merit was what Nachshon ben Aminodav did, he jumped into the Yamsuf, right? And he said, I don't care, you know, I know God is going to save us, you know, and so on, you know. And they obviously were in despair. In fact, they told Moshe, because there were no graves in Egypt, that you took us out. But the Moshe needed them to have a schus, a merit. And that merit is what? Is emuna and bitochem. To believe in God and to have faith, trust in God, that he will not abandon you. So God needed that merit at that point in time, you see. Because obviously there was tremendous amount of ketrugim, prosecutions going on in the heavenly tribunal, where the angels were saying, right, that, what do you mean, why are you going to kill the Egyptians? The Jews also worship idols. So what God needed, right, is not only an atonement for the Jews, but he needed a tremendous merit for the Jews. Uh, and therefore, that was rescue, even though the Jews at that time, of course, don't realize that. So what do we see so far? That the primary ingredients, the elements that are necessary for the Anagas HaYichud, for the backup system, the rescue operation, if you want to call it that, to ensue is that there must be a, a tremendous period of time. There must be a period of time, you see, where there's an atonement to bring the Jews up to speed. And the second thing is where the Jews will have, where the Jews exhibit uh, a faith and trust in God. And basically what that means is that they stick with the mitzvahs, no matter what, because they believe God will not abandon them and that He will redeem them. Now that you understand that, you can now begin to understand what is happening today, you see. When you look out now with the current events, it's just incredible, you see. One day, the polls for Biden come out and they say that he's going to win. And, and not only that, what is in many ways disheartening is where it looks like God is aiding and abetting the left or the radical left, you see. So the first thing God does is COVID. That COVID is an incredible atonement process not only for the Jewish people, because it bankrupts everybody, the economic disaster. And we're talking about sickness, we're talking about death, we're talking about fear of death. All of this is for atonement, this is rescue. But it's also for the Goyim, 
Because like I said, even the Goyim, in order to be in the Messianic era, they need an atonement, you see. That's what they certainly need, because they will also benefit tremendously in, from the Messianic era. So God has done that, right? And then to add to the grief, he has these riots go on that destroy businesses. They create a tremendous amount of uh, disruption of law and order. So everybody thinks America is going to pot. America is being destroyed. You have city after city that there's incredible amount of anarchy, you see, and, and despotism and, 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 and uh, attacks on, on businesses and economic disasters. I mean, just take a look at New York City and New York State. Besides California and Seattle and, 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 uh, and uh, Portland, Oregon and so on, what you're looking at is rescue. It's a very important concept. You are looking at atonement, necessities, you see. But what God wants the Jews is to stick with him, is to believe in him and to trust in him. And that is done by the Jews being, you know, wanting to keep observing the mitzvahs as best they can. And that's very important uh, in order to bring merit to the Jewish people, you see. But like I say, you know, the COVID has allowed Biden to remain in his basement. So you don't even see this guy. So he's able to hide the fact that he's cognitively really deteriorating, as is obvious in the last couple of days, and so on, you see, you know. And not only that, it enables him to lie. It, it, it just, it, it, there's a tremendous despair because people are afraid that Biden and the radical left will take over America. And like I said, the concept of a radical left is not to overthrow God, is to be God and to control the entire America, you see. Uh, and therefore, people are incredibly anxious and worried as a result of what is happening, you see. And this is very important. That's why we see so many things that seem to aid and abet the radical left, you see. But we also see things which, of course, help Trump. But it's back and forth. It's like a roller coaster, up and down. Again, because of the concept of kapora, atonement, and the concept of somehow uh, getting the Jews to have a, a merit to be worthy of the redemption, you see. But in any case, this is what's happening. But when you really think about that in the divine agenda, do you know what it all means? If you recall several lectures ago, shurim ago, I talked about the windows and the gates. And I said that before God will bring the redemption, he's going to bring incredible amount of darkness to the world. It's like looking at a house that has a window and the window is painted black and the window begins to shut. But obviously, light cannot enter except through the crack between the window and the windowsill, you see. But as the window closes, the house becomes more and more dark. And what's going to happen before the end is that the darkness is going to grow to such an extent where there's only going to be a nanometer of a slit between the window and the windowsill. That is how dark things are going to look at. That's the window shutting. You know, if you wondered what it is, this is it. You're looking at it. This is the darkness of the window closing that has to happen. And we know now why. One, because God wants to bring the messianic hero because, through justice without any prosecutions by the sultan, you see. And also, this is what the rescue attempt needs, the atonement and the concept of merit, you see. So we are actually watching the darkness and Chazal give it a term called Chevle Mashiach, the birth pangs of the Messiah. And they compare it to a woman giving a woman given birth and so on. That it is right before the delivery that the greatest amount of suffering is had by the woman. Same idea. Before the infant emerges, which is the Jews in, 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 in a pure state, that's what they will enter, uh, that's the birth, right? There has to be a tremendous... Uh, pain and, and travails 
So therefore, Chazal compare it to the messianic process right at the beginning of it to the birth pangs of the Messiah like a woman giving birth, you see. So therefore, we now understand uh, Hashkafah-wise, you're looking at the window closing. You are looking at the birth pangs of the Messiah. You are looking at the darkness because we are basically in Anhogasayichod, the rescue attempt for the Jewish people primarily and secondarily for the entire world. But because, uh, but because the part of the rescue has to be an atonement, there has to be what's called things which look the complete reverse, just like in Egypt. When Pharaoh decreed the straw decree that they have to gather straw, then the Jews were in tremendous despair because God wanted them, right, to believe and trust him. Same thing with the Jewish people. We have to believe that no matter what happens, God is in charge. Trump is not in charge. Biden is not in charge. The Republicans are not in charge. The Democrats are not in charge. It is God that is in charge, and all of this is willed by Him. And it's all, all for the purposes of rescue, which I have mentioned what the critical ideas of the rescue is, and the concept of incredible darkness right before the Mashiach comes. This is a very, very important idea. You know, it's interesting, if you want to know what does it look like by Goig, from the land of Mogoig, when he will attack Jerusalem and war against the Mashiach ben Yosef. What does that look like? And we now have a tremendous analogy to that. In fact, what we see is Goig and Mogoig, the, me the Messianic war, Goig and Mogoig, interestingly enough, is not only against the Jewish people. It's also against the Tov Shebeisav. Think about that. We are witnessing something in American history, which I've mentioned before, that we've never seen before. There is an incredible gut hatred of Trump. It is psychotic, you see, against Trump. Why? Because there are two concepts why they hate Trump. They not only hate Trump because he is an existential threat to the swamp, the establishment of Washington, you see, which is the rush of Esau the evil of Esau. So they're not only fighting for their life, they're also fighting for the power and the values that he wants to take away from them. Because basically, it's evil, because that's the evil of Esau, that is Washington establishment, that is the Democratic Party and the liberals, the left and the radical left, you see. So they hate him for those reasons. But if you think about it, that's the exact same reasons why there's a war of Goig, Mogoig, against the Mashiach ben Yosef. Because he is threatening their existence. Not only that, he is threatening, right, their way of life, their values, and their power, what they want to do. So it's interesting to note that the war of Goig and Mogoig is not only against the Jewish people and against the Mashiach ben Yosef, it is against any force, individual, <clears throat> that wants to help the Jews do the tikkun, and that is Donald Trump. And therefore, we are witnessing this unbelievable historical conflict between the enemies that represent Goig and, and, and Trump and his desire to help the Jewish people. Very interesting concept of what we're seeing, because this, as I said before, is clearly historic, you see. In any case, this is an understanding of what is going on and how we understand this. We are now in the major actions of God, which is called Anogaseyichud, which is the rescue operation. And that entails two things, to bring a complete atonement and therefore to satisfy justice, and also to allow the Jews to have some type of a merit in order to be worthy of the messianic process, just like it happened in Egypt. And that is why you are seeing it gets darker and darker. It looks more every day like Biden is going to win, which of course, if he wins, it's the end of America, which we know. But it's much more than that. If Biden wins, then the left wins, the radical left wins, the Antifa wins, 
that is the beginning of the destruction of America. The socialism and communism will do that. But it's much more, it's much worse. This is not just America, it's global. Because if he wins, if Biden wins, then Iran will become much more powerful because he wants to again rejuvenate Iran. And communist China, they are looking forward to Biden's victory because they will be able to eat Biden for breakfast because he's no match for, for, for the Chinese Communist Party, you see. And they will grow enormously in power. Therefore, the sort of like the destruction of America, and I'm going to use that term, really is the destruction of the entire world. Don't think it's just America. It is the destruction of the entire world, like I once quoted Abraham Lincoln, you know, where he said, America is the last hope of mankind. And that's only because of its philosophy of individualism, liberty, justice, equality before the law, and, and that which is basically just and good and so on. And therefore, make no mistake, the, 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 the gamble here is not merely Biden or everybody else that he represents because he's merely a puppet. The gamble is the end of the world as we know it. And that's exactly what's going to happen because America is the recipient that blocks the world from deteriorating into a total evil. It's like if you take away the exterminator, then all the cockroaches come out of the hole, out of the walls and so on, and all the mice and the rodents and the rats. America is really in many ways the last bastion of the ability barrier of evil to dominate. So don't think of it in terms of America. It's very, very important, you see. So this basically is what's going on. The question is, why is America at the brink of destruction? What happened? Why? God never did that to America. He never brought America to the brink, the edge of a cliff, where it could be destroyed, and it can. It's very hard to believe what's going on, that America can be destroyed. That is the gamble going on here. You know, we're not talking about two people running for the presidency, each one having a different value system, but they're not far apart. We're talking about polar opposites here. And I once said a, quite a while ago, the problem is that America is chayav miso. Yes, America is subject to the death penalty. And that's one of the reasons why you're seeing phenomenal amount of weather disturbances and California Oregon, Washington State, Washington State, even Colorado, why they're burning and it's out of control, you see. And the answer is because America has now become the agent for sexual perversion and deviation. Because of the Supreme Court's decision in 2015, and Battle Ginsburg was part of that, but the one who really sealed it was Anthony uh, Kennedy. Terrible what he did, terrible. But in any case, America has now become allied with a camp of evil, you see. Because of all things that God will destroy, for all things that God will destroy the world, the one that stands out the most is sexual perversion. Because God says, you know, the world cannot exist. I mean, people can sin, but that's not gonna overturn the world. But if people now have sexual perversions, homosexuality, and all the other perversions, deviations of, of sexual matters and so on, then that's the end of the world because there's no reproduction. And God will not tolerate that. And that's why he destroyed the world with the marble, with the flood. Those, that's one of the few things that God will not tolerate in a society because that's the end of his world. America has now joined the ranks of Sodom and Gomorrah. Think about that. What did God do to Sodom and Gomorrah? He destroyed it. He literally destroyed the two cities, actually almost all of the cities. There were five cities. He destroyed basically four of them. Again, for that primary reason. One is because they distorted justice, without getting into that, and also the incredible sexual perversions that they displayed. And God destroyed them. Therefore, this is the problem that America has now entered the camp of evildoers in a way where God will not tolerate the, uh, 
existence. However, God does not want to destroy America, as I pointed out, because America is the Tov Shebe'esav. God always protects America, always. That's one of the reasons why America is the richest country, the greatest nation on earth, and it really is. See, uh, and in many ways, America is the last great hope. And especially with Trump, who's the Tov Shebe'esav, the good part of Esav, America is critical to help Israel rise amongst the nations of the world before Mashiach ben Yosef comes. And you're watching that, that Trump has given back all the land to Israel, the embassy and the Golan, right? And Jerusalem is the capital and so on. And that they are not violating international law and so on. Uh, so God will not destroy America. But however, he's going to bring them to the brink. Why? Because that's the kidrug. Because the prosecution, the Sutton wants to destroy Trump, the Tov Shebe'esav, and he wants, of course, the evil part of Esav, which is the Washington establishment to again rule and, and just to do terrible things to America and so on, you see? That is why America is at the brink because of what's called the Hashchosa of America. But it won't happen that way, you see. And that's a very, very important idea. Look, like I said, they do not determine who will win this election. It is God. The only vote that counts, I've said many times, is God's votes, vote. It's irrelevant. So it's interesting to watch a miracle, two miracles. Just like the Jews had two miracles at Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim, the Exodus of Egypt, the first miracle was the 10 plagues, the 10 beatings that Egypt went through, which was miraculous, obviously. And the second miracle, which was probably even greater than the 10 plagues, was the splitting of the Red Sea. The way Chazal described it, it was beyond belief. Imagine an entire sea splitting, it's incredible. And the Jews are able to walk through it on dry land and it destroyed the Egyptians and so on. So the Jews witnessed two miracles that were physically impossible. Well, it's interesting to note that Trump also has that miracle. He won against 16 heavyweights in 2016 and he won when everybody was saying that he would lose and the polls showed that Hillary had 90% chance to win. Yet he won anyway, you see. So that's a miracle clearly that occurred to Trump. And only God can pull that off. Nobody else can pull that off. Because God wants to bring the end. And he needs the Tev Shebeisav, and apparently also needs the repentance of Yishmael to end it, you see. And we are going to, about to witness a second miracle where everybody's predicting Biden and Trump will walk away with the election. Now, I want to, you know, uh, end it by pointing out certain indicators where I think that these, these indicators speak well that Trump will win the election. Okay? Twelve of them. One. Notice, God protects Trump. No matter what they try to do to Trump, and believe me, they've tried everything. Even impeachment over nonsense, over a phone call. You know, the Russian, Russian collusion, they try to get rid of him on that, and, and, and so on. Every day, there's another slander against Trump. Yet for some reason, Trump survives. He's able to survive not only the incredible amount of accusations against him, and we're talking about the whole, the Congress against him, the media's against him. There's so many people that hate him. He's able to survive, which is absolutely incredible. But it's not only surviving that, God gives him the energy not to go into utter despair. I mean, the average person long ago would have quit. Think about that. How many people do you know that, have, could, that could have taken three and a half years of this incredible accusations and, 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 and uh, campaign to destroy. Nobody. But where does it come from? Because God has given Trump the energy and the ability within, personally, to be able to survive. So that's the first thing. Second thing is that the Tov Shebe'esav will only happen at the end. 
And therefore, if Trump is here and he's the Tov of the good part of Esav, then that would clearly mean, right, that's the beginning of the redemption. So is God going to stop the beginning of the actual redemption? Because the fact that Trump won itself indicates a beginning of redemption. Third idea, that the Arabs are befriending Israel. That can only happen at the end. It never happened before. That United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, and many other nations, Arab nations, and not only the Arabs, but the African nations and the Asians, you know, they're all going to join. And not only that, the major block against Israel and the United Nations are the Muslims. So if they are now allied with Israel, right, that means there's no more UN block, the General Assembly, against Israel. That's absolutely incredible, you see? And that can only happen at the end. The next thing is that the job of the Tov Shabesov is not finished, you see. So if it's not finished, is God going to interrupt that job and turn the world around? And it's more than that. The United States is a tremendous land of chesed. Even if they have the terrible sin of sexual deviations and perversions, but the United States is a tremendous land of kindness. They're the greatest nation on earth in terms of the help that they give other nations. And then there's something else. The United States has unbelievable merits. Why? Because they have allowed the Jews to learn Torah. We live in a land of incredible freedom. We can practice Judaism, you know, learn Torah. Who gets the credit for that? The United States. You see, so is God going to destroy the United States when it has the unbelievable merit that it enables the Jews to learn Torah? You see, does it make sense? And so on. And not only that, as I pointed out, if America is destroyed, then the rest of the world goes with it because evil will prevail and dominate. Do we believe that God is now going to destroy mankind? Is that the precursor of a messianic era? Because that's exactly what's going to happen. Another indicator, like I said, is the Arabs. They are falling apart. All their na the Arab nations are all basically failed states. And that again can only happen before the messianic era, you see. So is God going to stop that momentum that he created, you see? And besides, in the end of time, justice must prevail. It must prevail. The one who is responsible for the destruction of America, the incredible perversion of America, are the Democrats, the liberals. They have destroyed America. So does it make sense that God is going to let them win and destroy the entire world? Because that's what's, that's what's at stake. And besides that, take a look at Israel. The Jews are suffering terribly in Israel. Lockdowns, bankruptcies, you know, economic disasters. And there you are, that's the atonement. That's the rescue part. That's why when you see the Jews are especially suffering, whether it be in Israel, in New York, New Jersey or California, which is a major place, you know, they are suffering terribly. In Chicago was a big Jewish community. You know, all of these places, there's tremendous amount of, of uh, anarchy and so on. And that's all part of the concept of atonement, you see. And we are watching in Israel, right, with the air of Rav, the whole government of Israel is falling apart. They couldn't make it three times. But besides that, even though they put together some type of quasi-government, Netanyahu and Gantz hate each other. This isn't the government, you see. It's only there by virtue of the fact that it's a COVID. But this government cannot last, which means we are witnessing the end of the air of Rav. And as long as the air of Rav exists and are in power, they dominate, the Jews can never do tshuva, you see. And there's just so much more to do. The rehabilitation has to happen. I mean, if Biden won, could you imagine? For the next four years, right? He's not going to last. So who's going to be the president? Harris? Harris is terrible. She'll destroy America worse than Biden. You see, and I don't want to even go into her personality because really it's very bad. But in any case, uh, does God want to destroy the world and America for the next four years? Does any of this make sense? 
those are clear indicators that Trump will win. You see. And I want to end off with one idea which is interesting. People say they don't understand Trump because he exhibits certain personality traits, character traits, you know, which turn off a lot of people. Now, I'm not going to comment on these traits uh, in terms of, you know, uh, you know, are they good or bad or whatever. But why does God allow Trump? Why did he pick a man that have such character traits as Trump, where people view that as disgraceful, it's not presidential, you see, this is not mature. What's the underlying reason? And I'll tell you something very interesting. Why? Because before God was about to elect, if you want to use that word, Trump, to be the Tev Shebeisov, the Sutton appears always before the messianic process and says wait a minute you can't do this the jews don't deserve to be redeemed for all the reasons that he quotes so god does a strategy called sheikh al-sultan sheikh al-sultan is a bribery to the sultan and i mentioned this previously where god justice demands that trump should not be president you see because that's what the sultan is saying and God says, no, the time has come, he's going to be president. But God cannot dismiss justice. He created the Sutton to uphold justice. So what he does is he says to the Sutton, okay, we'll compromise. I'm going to put up a guy that's going to tremendously help Israel. But I want to tell you something. He is going to be very ineffective in many ways. In other words, he'll do the job, but there's going to be a tremendous barrier. What's the barrier? Because people are going to look at his personality and they say, what? We should vote for a guy like this? Or we should help a guy like this, you know, pass laws? So I'm going to put a guy in that will allow people to, to, to rebel or to defy Trump. You see, so the Southern says, no problem. If you're going to do that, then I'm okay with it. Why? Because even though he's going to try to help the Jewish people, but because of his personality traits that are viewed by people as either disgraceful or immature or whatever, you know, he's not going to really accomplish anything. So you can do it. You see? That's called Sheikh al-Sadden. You see? That's why we watch something incredible. There's a person who's probably the greatest president in U.S. history. Probably. In terms of what he's done. How he has done what he did is a mystery. Not only has he done unbelievable things for the United States, you know, where he's elevated the United States to be the greatest country the world has ever seen, but he did it on the unbelievable amount of persecutions. Incredible. That everybody else would have faltered and collapsed. You see. <clears throat> so what he's done is unbelievable competence. Yet what God has done is allowed him to have his character traits where he is viewed by people as not being a president. And therefore, that would allow people to ignore him, not to work with him, and create a tremendous barrier for him to do anything. And that's Shaykh al-Sutton, which God many, many times. One more example, for instance, in 1898, where God said to the Sutton, the heavenly tribunal, I'm going to bring, I must give Israel back to the Jews because the time has arrived, you see. And the Sutton says, what do you mean? You can't give Israel back to the Jews. They don't deserve it. So God says, okay, I'm going to make a deal. It's called Shaykh the Sutton. He's going to bribe the Sutton. I will give Israel back to the Jews. However, the ones who will be in charge of Israel would be the heir of Rav, Herzl, who is an atheist. He will actually bring Israel to the Jews, one, and his people, the secular Zionists, they will dominate the Jewish people. So the Sutton says to himself, wow, what an opportunity, because maybe I can get these guys to destroy the religion of the Jewish people by having the secular Zionists destroy them. You see, that's another classic case of Shaykh al-Sultan, bribery to the Sutton. So it's where God does what he wants, Yet in some way, he allows himself to compromise in order to placate the attribute of justice. And that's what we are seeing, I believe, in terms of the character of Donald Trump. And therefore, the Sutton said, okay, 
put in the Tevshe Beisav, the good part of Beisav, I'm okay with that because he's not going to get anything done anyway. Meanwhile, of course, we know that the Sultan had no idea of the incredible strength of this man, personal strength of this man, to accomplish more than almost any president in U.S. history. Anyway, that's something to think about. In any case, what I've tried to do in this particular shiur is to explain what the actions of God are all about. And we are primarily in the attribute of the Anogas HaYichud, which is the rescue attempt, where God has to do certain prerequisites in order to bring the Mashiach. However, even this cannot continue long, just like it did not continue long in Egypt, where God started the 10, ten plagues against the Egyptians, you see. It will end also in America. Right now, that's what's happening. But it's going to end shortly, and the messianic process will continue, basically, you see, where the Jews will do the tikkun. The heir of Rav will be overthrown. And we are going to see something which we've never seen before, some aspect of a rehabilitation, where God is going to, in many ways, bring the Jews back to him. And that's the prophecy in the Torah, where it says, you know, from there, from that Golis, I will bring them back. Not, I will bring them back to Israel and then do the rehabilitation. No, Yikabetzcho, it will start in the Golis itself. One, he will gather them. And the second thing, he will, not gather, but bring them to himself. And that is a prophecy which is eternal, which must be. So let us, the, the, the takeaway of all this is that don't despair, don't worry. All of it is going to be incredible. It is in God's hands, you see, and all of it is meant to bring the redemption itself, the Mashiach ben Yosef, and to usher in the entire Messianic era. Thank you.